Empower Radio presents Out of the Fog. Join intuitive guide and spiritual teacher Karen Hager for lively, positive conversation with lightworkers, healers, and dynamic wisdom keepers. Get ready for inspiration and connection. This is Out of the Fog on Empower Radio. Here's your host, Karen Hager. Hello and welcome to Out of the Fog. I'm Karen Hager. Each week at this time, we gather for spiritual conversation with enlightening guests, and I'm glad you're here. The world of a baby before birth is richer and more complex than we can imagine. Marianne C. is here today. She's here to share her experience working as a birth intuitive, one who communicates intuitively with babies before they are born. She'll be sharing from her diverse experience, and always her goal is the same, to listen carefully to what a baby feels and needs to respond, and in the process, to magnify the love that the baby feels. Are you ready to meet her? Marianne CMSW discovered the power of intuition in healing as she was recovering from severe environmental illness. And when she recovered, she began to teach others. She introduced intuition and healing courses to nurses, doctors, and other health professionals at many Australian hospitals and also taught at four Australian universities. Marianne was the first coordinator of the Mind-Body Healing course within the Master of Wellness degree program at RMIT University, Melbourne. She's the author of The Healing of a Sensitive and is working on a new book entitled Reunion, whose focus is pre-birth sentience and communication. Marianne's been a frequent guest on Australian radio shows and has appeared in documentaries and news features with ABC, BBC, and ABC Australia. She holds a master's degree in social work from the University of Michigan. You can find out more about Marianne and her work at MarianneC.com. Marianne, welcome to Out of the Fog. Thank you, Karen, so much. I think I'd like to start just how did you figure out that you could communicate intuitively with babies who weren't even born yet? I'll begin by just going back a little bit to how I discovered I could communicate intuitively with anyone. I was at a point in my recovery from environmental illness when I was in a room with nothing in it at all. I couldn't have anything near me and I was ready to give up. I had had 15 years of living like this and I was tired from the struggle. At that time, I called out, um, if you can find a way to help, find a way that my sensitivity can help people, I'll keep trying to live. A few days later, two friends asked me to go see a psychic healer. I had no idea what a psychic healer did. I sat in front of her and she glared at me and she said, do you realize how extraordinarily gifted you are? And I said, I don't think you understand. I, I'm not gifted. I'm, I'm sick. I can't have anything near me at all. And she said, do you realize you've been given a gift, but you're wasting it? And the minute she said it, I said, I remembered the prayer. And I, I looked at her, what do you mean? And she said, you've been given a gift. Your sensitivity is a gift. It could be helping people and you're wasting it. Long story short, she um, met me for three or four times and showed me how to use my sensitivity to feel inside someone's body, which frankly I had been doing all my life, which was one of the reasons I was sick. I couldn't tell whose feelings were who. If I walked by someone on a street, I would be immediately overwhelmed by their pain and couldn't tell where I was in the midst of that. So um, 
fast forward a year and a half later, I, I started practicing with my friends. I, no money was involved. I just practiced and got their feedback. And I saw that she was correct. My sensitivity could be used to help someone. In 1993, I was living in Alice Springs, Australia, in the red center of Australia, Aboriginal country. And a woman said to me, can you communicate with my baby before birth? And I said, gee, I, I never thought about that. And she said, well, it's just the same you do with adults. Why don't you just do it for me? I said, okay, we'll try. And immediately I felt the baby inside my body, just as I do with an adult. And I could feel the baby struggling. The love she had for him, which was very real, was not getting to him. I could literally feel this gap between her love and him. And so that began the process of listening to babies' needs, seeing if they're struggling, seeing if there is a way to release that struggle so that more love can flow between the mother and the child. You said that when you connected, you felt the child within your own body? Is it always like that for you when you're reading, whether it's adults or children? Absolutely. It, it really is. I become them. Um, I literally feel if they have a headache, I feel a headache. If their heart is tight, I feel the tightened heart. I become the body of my client. How do you keep good boundaries? How do you, how do you keep that walled off so that you don't go nuts? Well, uh, in the first year when I was practicing in Alice Springs, I started to get sick and sick, sicker. And, and my husband and I couldn't figure it out. We were in the middle of nowhere. There was nothing near me that should affect me. And then one day I said, Corey, do you think it's the readings I'm doing? He said, well, do you protect yourself? And I, I said, no, I, I, I didn't know I was supposed to. The teacher didn't tell me that. So I just sat down quietly in my meditation room and I asked for some way to protect myself. And I saw an image and words and the breath, how to use my breath. And I just tried it and I've never looked back. That was 1993. As long as I do this 30 second ritual before I begin, I'm fine. When you are communicating intuitively with babies, do you communicate with babies who are already in, in a body or can you communicate with children before they even come into physical form? Both, definitely both. Um, I had a client a year ago. She just had her baby about one month ago. I, I also work, I should say, with women trying to conceive to make sure there aren't unconscious patterns at work. This woman was trying hard to conceive and, you know, acupuncture, meditation, right diet, etc. And yet she couldn't. And there was no physical explanation for it. So when I got inside her body, the first thing she said is, I don't want a baby. So that, that said everything to me. There was unconscious patterning around conception. So we worked together for four sessions to unravel the terror of life inside her. And it, it wasn't hard to figure out why she had it once I began to talk about her mother and her own birth, etc. We unraveled that. And each session, I said, I'll uh, make up a name, uh, Joan, can you feel the spirit closer? And she said, I can, I can. And on the very last session, I said, I think it's just a matter of time. I just relax. I think it's just a matter of time. The spirit is really right here. And the spirit indeed was talking to us and talking to her and calling her mom, etc. 
And uh, six days later, I got the message that she was pregnant. So absolutely, absolutely. Oh, my goodness. And she just had the baby now. And it's interesting because twice, right after she was pregnant and right after the baby was born, she wrote me and she said, I'm numb. I can't feel anything. I'm supposed to be so happy, but I can't feel anything. And I said, that is not a problem. And it's completely to be expected given the trauma of your own life. So let's have some time together. And both times that numbness was able to fade in an hour. She just wrote me this morning and said, the wall is gone. I'm so in love with him now. So both times we were able to revisit that terror in her and invite it to release so that the love could flow between her and her son. Oh, that's beautiful. Do you ever connect with a mother who is reaching for a child, but you don't find the child there? Meaning someone who very much wants to conceive and yet a a child isn't there for them? Yes, I have two clients in that situation now. And um, what's happening with both of them is absolutely, I couldn't ask for anything more. I can sum it up in the words of one of the women she wrote and she said she's been trying for seven years to have a child and she's done countless, literally countless IVFs and IUIs and other things. And I knew, I knew her attention had to widen beyond this. I have to have a child. It had to because the, the likelihood of her conceiving is not great. We know that Te- technically, medically, it's not great. So she wrote me about a month ago and she said, I want to tell you what I'm starting to realize. I have a lot of love to give. The world needs a lot of love. Even if I don't have a child, I will find a way to give my love to the world. Mm. So in both of these situations right now, conception may not occur. But these women are healing and they will, they will have children, so to speak, in their service to the world, whatever form that takes. We were talking a little bit before we came on the air and I was saying, I have a belief that when we make an agreement to parent, that our children always find us, no matter what the circumstances are, that, that if we've made that agreement, even if the child doesn't come out of our body, that it will come through fostering adoption through some other way. Do you believe that we make agreements about this before we take physical form? You know, there are people much more knowledgeable about the whole idea of contracts before birth, etc. Um, so I, I, I wouldn't probably be the best person to answer this. But I can say this in the many, many readings I've done with babies before they are born. There is a profound understanding of the woman, knowledge and understanding and feeling connection to the woman, the mother, and often to the father. I'll give you an example of this. I received a call from an obstetrician and a midwife. They were working as a team. I think the midwife called, but the request came from both to uh, complete an intuitive reading for a woman who was seven months pregnant and the baby was dying in utero. And the baby technically should have died at the five-month mark. And each day that went on was putting the mother's health at more more jeopardy. So the request came to me to basically find out why the baby hadn't died. What, What was preventing the baby from dying? 
When the mother called me, she was extremely calm. I remember thinking, gee, if I were losing a child, I'd be, you know, have much more emotion showing. And she had none. She just said, I just want to know why my baby's not dying. That was all she said. And I remember thinking, my God, she's really you know, contained and keeping everything together inside herself, I presume. And when I went in the body, oh, my Lord, it was the exact opposite. The baby just started shouting to me. She's not listening. She's not listening. I'm trying to tell her. Now, you must remember, I know nothing about the woman at all. My clients do not reveal anything about themselves before I speak to them. So all I knew was this one sentence, please find out why my baby's not dying. So the baby started yelling. Uh, she's not listening. She's not listening. I'm trying to tell her, but she won't listen. Then she said, the baby said, she lives in a constant state of anxiety. She runs around. She never finishes anything. She starts, she's not fulfilling her purpose on earth. The baby was quite passionate. And uh, I really didn't know how this mother was going to handle that, going to handle this at all. I really wondered. So I just took a breath. And uh, as always, I asked my clients to feel their response. Not think so much, but feel it in their body. I said everything. And she said nothing for two minutes. It was dead silence. And then finally, she took a deep breath and she said, I am a master of illusion. I live in a state of constant inner anxiety and turmoil. I never finish anything I start. And I have no idea why I'm on this earth. My baby is absolutely correct. She did not, clearly did not want to talk anymore after the reading, so we just said goodbye. And I got an email eight and a half hours later saying the baby had died. She did not contact me after the reading immediately, um, but about five months later, again, she's a woman of few words. She just said, I want you to know that my baby's life was not wasted. Everything she said, I listened to, and I've changed everything. Thank you for the reading. Now, that was a wonderful example of a being who clearly chose to be with her mother. The baby's name, by the way, was Phoebe, who knew her intimately and was here on a mission to serve her, even though they would not spend time together in physical form. You're listening to Out of the Fog with Karen Hager. I'm talking with Mary Ann C. about connecting intuitively with babies before they are born. You can find out more about Mary Ann and her work at her website, which is MaryAnnC.com. That's M-A-R-Y-A-N-N-E-S-E-A.com. MaryAnnC.com. Now, you've said that some children don't want to come into their bodies. This was a child who had come into a body and then was being kind of almost held until the message was given. But you've also worked with children who are reluctant to come into the body. I'm so, I'm so glad you brought it up. The two earliest traumas um, a child can sustain, and I do mean trauma. And by trauma today, we really just simply mean one word. We don't have to look for a great, long technical uh, explanation. Trauma equals overwhelm. The body-mind is overwhelmed to the point that the resources it has to cope with the incoming stimuli are not effective enough. And the child feels as though they could die 
or could lose their mind. Extinction, death, or insanity, I could crack up. Um, we know the two wounds a baby can experience um, before birth and soon after birth relate to one, rejection. Now, this can be unconscious rejection by the mother. The mother doesn't need to wake up in the morning and say, I reject my child. Not at all. It simply means the mother's capacity to connect with the child is markedly compromised and the child does not pick up the mother's love or feeling and attention, which is what love is, attending to somebody with feeling or being present with them. The child can't pick it up. The child experiences a rejection. And this is this is not Marianne C's theory. This has been written about for, oh gosh, I'm thinking of Willem Reich. He, he was the first person to bring this up many, many years ago, but it's come through all the psychotherapy literature now, including probably one of the most popular books today about it, The Five Personality Patterns by Stephen Kessler. What the child does in the face of rejection, if the child is sensitive, I do stress that because some are very tough, but if the child is sensitive and is overwhelmed, they do what we call leave the body. It's called the leaving pattern. What this means is attention splits off from the tissue. So my clients right now, my adult clients who fall into this pattern, I can say to them, does the phrase lights on, no one home mean anything to you? And inevitably they'll say, yes, that's how I live. I look normal. I act normal. I talk normal, but I don't feel that I'm here and I can't feel love inside my body. Even though I'll say, thank you for loving me. And I'm happy you love me. I can't feel it. So this is the leaving pattern. And it is, you know, it's an, it's an intense uh, response. It's, it's the only response the infant in utero can make. He or she doesn't have resources as a five-year-old or six-year-old would have. So she basically or he basically splits off from the body. The second pattern is called the merging pattern. This is the pattern in response to abandonment. There's not rejection but the mother cannot sustain the energetic connection to the child. And the child feels as though he's lost in the middle of the ocean. And the compensating pattern is to merge into other people's lives, not feel feet on the ground, not feel separate, just merge into someone's life. So these two patterns have been documented by many, many, many psychotherapists and trauma therapists. And of course, I am always on the lookout for these i know how to spot them very easily and i i'm you know obviously i'm on a mission of sorts to make sure that gets turned around and i can do that because of my therapy background i can do that by working with the mother and working with her to re release whatever it is that is stopping the flow of love to the child that's so complex and and although we as adults are used to some kind of self-awareness and self-dialogue and being willing to examine our lives, of course, for the child, that's much harder. We don't have that big range of expression. And, and there are literally no resources in utero there. Yeah, I mean, it, it's, it's just highly, highly, highly sentient being who is picking up whatever is coming. And if the poor mother has unresolved um, trauma in her that baby will pick up a lot of it. However, you noticed I said the word sensitive. 
that has a key role to play in this. Every everybody in the pre and perinatal psychology field will say sensitivity varies significantly from child to child. I'll give you a quick example of this. A child, a mother contacted me again. She was seven months pregnant. And she said, I'm, I'm terrified. I'm terrified that my child is completely and utterly traumatized. And when she went on to explain the reason, of course, I understood why. When she was uh, doing the pregnancy test in her home, the at-home pregnancy test, um, she went outside when she found out she was pregnant. And she found her husband in the garden. He had just taken his own life. So as she was doing the test, he was committing suicide. Oh. Of course, he he did not know. He did not know. <laughs> Excuse me. So she had spent seven months. <laughs> I'm laughing only because I remember her describing it. She said, I've had every emotion in the world. I've had hatred, rage, sorrow, despair. You know, it just obviously everything you can think of came up in her. And she was terrified that this poor child was a wreck. And frankly, I was a little nervous, too. I thought, what is this going to feel like? Well, I got in, saw this child, round, round ball. I saw blonde hair with bangs cut down, to, uh, cut right at the eyes. Blonde hair, a very stocky child, very stocky. And the child looked absolutely fine, about three years old. I went into the child's body. The child was fine. The child just said, I'm fine. I feel loved. I'm fine. And I said to her, I, I know you may not believe this, but I feel this child is fine. And she said, okay, now I'm going to tell you something. She said, all through the seven months, I felt it to be true. But my head kept saying, it's not possible that she's fine. Mm -hmm. I said, she's very, very tough. And she feels like a phoenix rising out of the ashes. So she was born at home, a very easy birth, and the mother wrote me and said, um, in honor of the reading, I'm naming her Phoenix. And she's completely, everybody comes in and says she seems so happy. And then I got a photo of her a little while ago. She's three now. And Karen, it is exactly the image I saw. She has blonde bangs. She's stocky as can be. And she has two little boys, obviously her friends next to her. But, you know, she's not sitting there like this. She has her arms around the two little boys as if to say, I'm running the show. <laughs> so it's just a wonderful example of the range of sensitivity. And yet I've had other babies who are having only the slightest distress. I mean, what's going on in the family is not that stressful at all. I can remember this one. His name is Jack. And he was cowering in the womb, just cowering, because he was so sensitive to the slight distress in the family. They worked on it. They changed it. They really, they got the message. I went back in. He looked like a cheerleader. And he's been fine. So sensitivity is a very big factor, just as it is with adults. Now, I know we just have about three minutes left together. Can you tell the listeners about your website and how they can connect with you? Because working with children before they're with babies before they're born is not the only thing you do. No, no. I, in fact, half of my practice is working with adults. I work with a lot of women who've been sexually abused or physically abused. Because of my intuitive ability, I can do things in my client's body. So instead of asking them to relive sexual abuse and tell me every detail and be overly overwhelmed, I can go inside their body and reduce that trauma. 
So I do a lot of work with people who've been highly traumatized and I make it as easy for them to feel that that is lifting off the tissue of their bodies. I also want to say, because I love it, I offer a free group for women all over the world. It's called Powerful Intentions. It's modeled on the work of Lynn McTaggart, who's done such good work in the field of intention. And women come together quietly in their own homes. They're not even on the internet. We have 25 minutes at a time where we relax and we send the intentions to two different people in our group. Excuse me. And then we end in silence. We just had a group a week ago for a woman in Sweden who's trying to conceive via IVF. Women all over the world came together, sent her loving intentions, imagined her pregnant. And she wrote and said it was one of the most moving experiences of her life. She felt so loved. And she's now been able to see the embryo. The first step in IVF has been successful. And she'll let us know in another eight days if she's pregnant. So I do this for women to support each other who want to give and receive powerful intentions. That's wonderful. And so if someone were to go to com, is there information there about the Powerful Intentions program and all the services that you offer? Everything else except Powerful Intentions. And you've helped me realize I should put that up there because the way people come into it now is they're my client. I'd say, would you like to join Powerful Intentions? So very good reminder. I'll, I'll make sure I put that up on the on the website. I think that way that we support each other is so important. That idea of what to me feels sometimes like a kind of an energetic mesh or web mm-hmm. all over the world that brings us together where time doesn't matter, distance doesn't matter. It's that focus of positive, loving intention is so important. I think that sometimes that's kind of what keeps the world running is that kind Absolutely. of energy. Absolutely. The response from the senders is as moving as the response from the recipient. And just so you know, it's fascinating. Lynn's research found, which is just amazing, that the sender often receives healing or transformation. So the the concept of in giving we receive is proven true over and over in these groups. The women, as I said, who are senders often write me four days later and say, you won't believe what's happened in my life. And all they've done is just give loving intention to someone else for 10 minutes somewhere else in the world. Marianne, thank you so much for being on the show. You're very welcome, Karen. It was my pleasure. That is Marianne C. You can find out more about Marianne and her work at MarianneC.com. That's M-A-R-Y-A-N-N-E-S-E-A dot And of course, you're always welcome over at KarenHager.com, where you can find out what's coming up next on this radio program, uh, learn about upcoming classes and events. You can even book a private session with me if you're so inclined. And if you believe as I do, and as Marianne does, that when we put our intention on change, that things do change, please check out OpenPeacefulHeart.com. My wife and I run a free 15-minute guided meditation program the first Sunday of every month, where people from all over the world come together to focus just for 15 minutes on peace. There's no selling, no yelling, no politics, no explaining, no disagreeing, just us and a guided meditation to help us focus on peace in our hearts and peace in the world. That website is openpeacefulheart.com and you'll find lots of uh, guided meditation there archived for you to listen to anytime. And thank you for listening today. Together we are spreading a little more light in the world and a little more light is always a good thing. Until next time, I'm wishing you peace. Peace.